0: You're listening to Bible Prophecy Daily, a weekday podcast where Bible prophecy matters and matters greatly. NAR views of revival differ radically from the type of revival other Christians seek, but how can you spot the differences? Hi, I'm Holly Pivick, welcome to this episode. As I've explained in previous episodes, NARA leaders have a novel view of the end time, known as victorious eschatology. As part of that view, they teach that there will be a billion-soul harvest, that is a great end time revival, under the leadership of NARA apostles and prophets, that will allegedly usher in Christ's return, be sure to check out those previous episodes if you missed them. In this episode, and the next one, I will identify 13 clues that show that a song, sermon, or event is promoting NAR revival. Here are the first six clues. The first clue that NAR revival is afoot are two practices known in NAR as Ministry Time and Activation. Some people come to NAR revival events seeking healing from a sickness, but many others come for for a personal word from God about their destiny, or to feel His closeness and presence. This may come in the form of holy laughter, or being slain in the Spirit, that is, being knocked down to the ground by the power of the Holy Spirit, or seeing a glory cloud, like the glory cloud that allegedly has appeared at Bethel Church in Redding, California, numerous times. People crave a touch from God in some fashion or other. They want to be noticed by Him and feel special. That's why the highlight of NAR revival is not the message, based on the word of God, like it is during other revivals. Think of Jonathan Edwards' famous sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. At a NAR event, everyone eagerly anticipates the climatic ministry time, near the end of a service. When a so-called prophet or apostle on stage announces that God is healing people in the audience, or they begin to give prophetic words to specific people in the room, it's an especially thrilling event if the apostle or prophet lays their hands on people, another NAR practice, so that they can activate miraculous gifts in those people. In our churches, ministry time may include an often chaotic event called the fire tunnel, During fire tunnels, leaders form two lines facing each other and encourage people to walk through the fire tunnel, where individuals are believed to have deep encounters with the Holy Spirit, seen by their spastic, jerking movements and falling to the ground. It's no coincidence that the tunnels are called fire tunnels, as NAR revivals make heavy use of the word fire as a symbol for the Holy Spirit. NAR prophets often shout the word fire from the stage to indicate that they are releasing the power of the Holy Spirit over a crowd. In NAR revival, the Holy Spirit is often viewed as a force or power that can be manipulated more than as a person, and that perception often shows up most clearly during the ministry time. Also, many NAR revival conferences are titled FIRE conferences, and NAR organizations are given FIRE-themed names, like the organization Burn 24-7, which was founded by Sean Foyt, who many of you may know of today as the leader of the lettuce Worship Revival events attended by thousands of people in over 150 cities throughout the United States. So be attuned to the use of this FIRE terminology, along with NAR ministry time and activation practices. A second clue that NAR revival is underway is revelation of divine strategies for building God's kingdom. With NAR revival, there will be lots of talk about building God's kingdom, advancing God's kingdom, and bringing God's kingdom to earth. That language is also sometimes used outside NAR to refer to the expansion of God's kingdom through evangelism, but in NAR it is usually used together with references to divine strategies that God has allegedly revealed to modern-day apostles and prophets. One main NAR strategy is known as the Seven Mountain Mandate. This is described as a strategy to take over the world. According to the Seven Mountain Mandate, believers must infiltrate and occupy the highest positions in the seven major societal institutions, which they call mountains—government, media, family, business, education, church, and the arts. Conquering these spheres of society, as they are called, is seen as a key to taking dominion of the nations so that God's kingdom can be established. And our leaders make it clear that the key to controlling those institutions, is the work of apostles. The Apostle Cheon, for example, of Harvest Rock Church in Pasadena, California, writes, we must also recognize that apostles have the authority to govern on all seven mountains of culture. It is astonishing that the apostles claim this mandate gives them authority to govern not only the church, but also society. Naturally, this has raised concerns that the NARB movement is seeking to establish a national or global theocracy. In addition to the Seven Mountain Mandate, listen for references to the Seven Mountains of Influence and the Seven Mountains of Culture. A third clue for spotting our revival is a distorted gospel. The true gospel, according to Scripture, is the good news that Christ's death and resurrection has made the way for forgiveness of sin, reconciliation with God, and eternal life. See John 3.16 and 1 Corinthians 15.1-8. These benefits are available to all who place their faith in Christ. But NAR leaders claim that this is an incomplete gospel. They claim the full gospel includes the message that Christ's death and resurrection have made the way for his followers to take dominion of the earth. They call this gospel the gospel of the kingdom. The way the gospel of the kingdom is confirmed is by miraculous signs and wonders. In fact, Bill Johnson, the Apostle at Bethel Church in Redding, California, teaches that, quote, a gospel without power is not the gospel Jesus preached, So do you want to know which version of the gospel is being promoted at a revival? Then do the airtime test. See how many minutes are devoted to talking about forgiveness of sin, salvation, and growth and holiness versus miracles, prophetic words, and talk of Christians ruling and reigning. A fourth clue for spotting our revival is the presence of promises that God will fulfill your dreams and make you prosperous. Why did Jesus leave the riches of heaven, come to earth as a humble baby, suffer and die? So that he can make us wealthy, healthy, and successful in every area of our lives. At least that's what the prophet Chris Vallotton at Bethel Church in Reading has said. He writes, I want to point out again that Jesus became poor for a reason. His celestial mission was to make us wealthy. The teaching that God wants all believers to enjoy good health and wealth is known as the prosperity gospel. It's most commonly associated with televangelists like Benny Hinn, Joyce Meyer, and Kenneth Copeland, who live in mansions, drive luxury cars, and own private jets. But NAR leaders also teach the prosperity gospel, though not all NAR leaders may boast as openly and frequently about their wealth, as many of the prosperity gospel teachers do. And NAR leaders have also given the prosperity gospel a special NAR spin. They teach that the prosperity gospel is a long-forgotten truth that has been restored by present-day apostles and prophets. Prosperity teachings are essential to NAR because, along with the billion-soul harvest, God plans to fulfill another NAR prophecy called the End-Time Transfer of Wealth. The second prophecy reveals that God intends to transfer the wealth of the wicked to the righteous so that the apostles have the funds needed to build God's kingdom. So NAR followers are taught to make declarations such as, Lord, release the wealth of the wicked into my hands. And of course, no prosperity teaching is complete without flattery. NAR leaders boost their followers' egos by saying that the coming revival depends on them, By saying things such as, you are a game changer, God is waiting on you, you are the signs and wonders generation who will finally succeed in bringing heaven to earth. A fifth clue that an event or message is promoting our revival is a novel view of the end time, which, as I already mentioned, is known as a victorious eschatology. Since I've already dedicated an entire episode to explaining our teachings about the end time, I won't go into as great of detail. For now, I'll briefly explain what is distinctive about the NAR teachings. Christians have different views about how the last days on earth before Christ's return will unfold, but two of the three main positions, premillennialism and amillennialism, agree that the world will not get better and better. In these views, evil will continue and even increase, and many believe that the church at large will experience an apostasy, where many professing believers will fall away from the faith and follow false prophets. In support of these beliefs, they point to scripture passages such as Matthew 24 and 2 Thessalonians 2-3. Neither premillennialists nor amillennialists expect the church to establish God's kingdom on earth prior to Christ's return, and together these two groups make up the majority of Christians. Proponents of postmillennialism, the third main position, do seek the expansion of God's kingdom across the earth prior to Christ's return. But historically, they have sought to do this through gospel proclamation and trust in the Holy Spirit's ability to regenerate human hearts. They have not relied on strategies like those revealed by present-day apostles and prophets. But now our teachers have a radically different view. They call the dominant Christian views of the end time pessimistic, fear-motivated, and escapist. And they believe these teachings are holding back the church's ability to bring God's kingdom to earth. In their victorious eschatology, Christians under the leadership of apostles and prophets in the last days will experience great victory by performing signs and wonders that will cause a worldwide revival or billion soul harvest. Entire nations will convert to Christ. Some NAR leaders, such as Mike Bickle of the International House of Prayer in Kansas City, Missouri, even hold that Christians will take vengeance on their persecutors by making prayer declarations that will loose the judgments of God described in the book of Revelation. Plagues that include hell, falling stars, and an army riding fire-breathing horses. So rather than undergoing the tribulation in the last days, Christians will actually cause the tribulation. The future time period, referred to by many Christians as the Great Tribulation. Bickel, speaking of Christians who are anticipating a rapture, has said a lot of people are waiting to be taken up. They want to go up so they can escape the tribulation. But he says, the Lord is waiting for us to grow up, to loose the tribulation, through the prayers of faith. These very different teachings about the end time provide one sure sign of NAR revival efforts. A sixth clue for spotting NAR revival, the final one I will explain in this episode, is declaration prayer. During a NAR revival event, the way believers pray is noticeably different. They do not humbly ask God for such things as healing, financial provision, and the end of societal evils like abortion. Rather, they decree and declare that those things will happen. Recall the statement I just quoted from Mike Bickle when he said, The Lord is waiting for us to grow up to loose the tribulation through the prayers of faith. When Bickle speaks of prayers of faith, he is speaking of prayer declarations. In Nar making petitions or requests of God is viewed as an inferior form of prayer to pray powerfully a believer must assert the authority that they believe God has given them to make prayer declarations thereby forcefully speaking things into existence this is similar to the way God spoke in Genesis when he created the world according to Bill Johnson leaders at Bethel Church and other Nar leaders including Bickle also teach that angels carry out believers prayer declarations and decrees. I plan to do an entire episode about prayer declarations in the future, so I won't talk too much more about this NAR practice now. But it is important to understand that the Bible does not support the notion of prayer declarations. Nowhere does it teach believers to make declarations, and we cannot find a single example of believers making them. If you want to know more of the signs of NAR revival, be sure to listen to part two of this series, 13 Clues for Spotting Nar Counterfeit Revival. And to go into greater depth, be sure to check out my co-authored book with Doug Guyvett, Counterfeit Kingdom, The Dangers of New Revelation, New Prophets, and New Age Practices in the Church. You can sign up at my blog to receive my latest articles in your inbox. Go to hollypivic.com. That's H-O-L-L-Y-P-I-V-E-C. You can also follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks for listening to Bible Prophecy Daily. We hope you learned something valuable today. Be sure to subscribe wherever you heard this podcast so you never miss an episode.